to Geared for Growth. I'm your host, Mike Mortlock from MCG Quantity Surveyors. Today, we're talking everything pre-purchase inspection reports. We're talking to Reese Rogers, who's the CEO of Before You Bid. He gives us a great insight into his business and the greater prop tech industry within Australia. And then we talk about the commoditization of pre-purchase reports, how you can purchase a report and benefit from other people leveraging that and also get involved with a Peston building or a Strata report on the back of someone else for a cheaper price point. We talk about the prevalence of inspections, the risks of not getting these inspections done and everything all around these pre-purchase reports. It's an awesome interview with Reese, who's got some real gold to share. Here he is. Reese Rogers, thanks for joining me on Geared for Growth. Great to see you, Mike. It's, uh, it's nice to, to finally put this one together because I was very interested in getting your insights into what's happening in the prop tech space. And of course, we're going to be talking about pre-purchase inspections, which is a big consideration for property investors. But you're uh, the CEO of, and, and I suppose co-inventor of Before You Bid. Can you tell us a little bit about what that is and how the platform works? Yeah, so before you did, we started eight years ago with one of my brothers. I've got four. Um, and about an agent complaining around opening up a property twice for a building and pest inspection. I thought that's just a really strange um, thing that people don't just share it. Um, so I started a, a kind of share cost model, a platform, a marketplace of these inspectors, um, where basically the reports can be downloaded for the most part at a fraction of the cost. Or if you do instigate your own report, it does get repurchased, we'll give you cash back. So it's about having buyers, or, you know, um, own occupiers, investors, um, being able to do the due diligence they need to do, but um, at a fraction of the cost of what they would do, particularly if they miss out on a property, which can be a bit of a bug there when you spend five or $600 on a report and you, and you don't get it. And, and the worst sort of outcome of that is people go, oh, I've missed out on three. You know what? On the next one, I'm not going to get a pestered building because I've already spent $2,000. I mean, that would be a, a, a catastrophic mistake uh, to, make, to make, right? Well, we get a lot of people like calling me saying, do I even need a building and pest inspection? Um, and I'd say, look, probably an eight out of 10 times, you probably get away with not. Um, you might, you know, you know, find some little bits and pieces that you wish you'd known about earlier, but you just don't want to be in that kind of twenty to twenty-five percent where you're like, "Geez, I, I, um, I wish I'd got this before," because I not necessarily wouldn't have bought the property, but I certainly wouldn't have paid the price I paid for it. Mm. And when you do find these kind of bigger issues, um, you know, the vendor or the agent, you know, usually pretty willing to come to the party and talk about, you know negotiation and bring it down to a reasonable level to take into account the uh, the repairs that are going to be required. Mm. And we've had expert witness style um, work where, you know, a pest and building report might have picked up the fact that the property actually probably is going to need to be demolished. So, you know, whilst it's like 20%, that's low risk, but the the cost, if the cost, some- yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. So when I say 20, 25%, I can imagine some listeners going, oh, maybe I'll, I'll roll the dice on that. But yeah, when it's a 50, 60 grand issue, or even in that case you've mentioned, yeah, uh, essentially pulling the whole thing down, um, yeah, you don't want to be caught in that in that bracket. It's not worth it. Um, and so 
I'm just wondering, like, from the perspective of the, let's say, a, a building inspector, there's eight people that are going to bid on this property at, at auction. I mean, that's a pretty good racket for the building company to do eight individual reports, or maybe they just inspect once and and change the name. Like, has that got you in the crosshairs of people going like, Reese, you've ruined our gravy chain? Uh, not like the odd person who's not on our panel who we haven't worked with for years might have that view. Um, look, when we started eight years ago, only was under forty percent of properties were getting professionally inspected. Um, our latest analysis suggests it's about sixty percent because of what we've been doing um, with the industry making their reports more accessible. So, for us and for an inspector panel, which is now over four hundred inspectors nationally, it's about expanding the pie. Um, we ultimately want a report done um, on every single property in the country, which will mean um, you know much more work for inspectors, and certainly we're going to need more inspectors in the industry. Yeah, no, that's good, and I mean to be able to change that, you know, forty to sixty percent. You're you're de-risking a, a very risky practice, right? So I think that's making the whole industry better. When, when it comes to the prop tech space. I mean, do you identify yourself as being in the prop tech space? This is this is something that was kind of like a buzzword, you know, maybe 10 years ago and people are like, oh, what does that actually mean? Now we've got, you know, um, people like Kylie Davis with podcasts around it, like there's prop yeah. tech awards, you know, how do you sort of fit in with that and, and give us a bit of a, a, an idea of what that sector's like now? Yeah, we're heavily involved in the prop tech space. It's definitely a real thing. It's not a um, just a made-up um, kind of term to, to make us sound more interesting than a boring old um, building and pest company. So we see ourselves just in terms of categorising ourselves as a prop tech as a, as a bit of a data company as well. So we've got, um, you know, a, a 12 um, engineers working in our business and that's kind of growing a little bit every year. Um, and a lot of our focus is on distribution so making it easier you know for buyers sellers um to be able to get access to these reports and distribute it to the people who are looking at their property yep. but then you know between 40 and 60 percent of our engineering efforts towards our inspectors themselves so as a, we're trying to build the best workflow management tool for them um and so i guess it's touching size of property and it's technology and it's data so um yeah prop tech why not um <laughs> but uh there's certainly some uh, and this is probably the most uh, uh, unoriginal but uninteresting, uh, one of the most uninteresting prop techs out there, I'd say, just because it is quite simple, the idea, the actual mechanics of doing it at scale and creating the efficiencies, because the vast majority of the revenue we generate goes to our inspection panel. So yep. we need to be, you know, um, across the, the whole country um, to make get that economies of scale. Yep. Uh, but there are some very interesting prop techs out there, you know, doing um, you know, AI and you know, tropic and companies like that which you look at and you know those a lot different to us and you know if they pull it off you know as, as well as they they can then great but um you know we're pr pretty comfortable now much more simple um way yeah yeah i oh, know any anyone that's got ai in the mix it's kind of like it's almost like they're they're seen as the next level aren't they <laughs> but i mean like there's a million different ways that ai could can possibly help you guys as well with the inspectors and you know um i'm, I'm sure that'll be part of the mix when oh, there'll, there'll be something some sometime down the track i'm sure whether you know you can just scan the house or something and it just generates the report or mm. but, uh, i don't think it's in the next year or two 
What's the investment appetite like for prop tech businesses like yours in in Australia at the moment? I mean, we hear much more about uh, the US in terms of there being so much more money available from venture capital and investors, and much more of an appetite for for companies to be, you know, um, pre-profit for you know for a decade, making huge losses, but still, you know, these are these what perceived these unicorn companies and there just sort of seems like an endless supply of money, or at least at least there was when money was a little bit easier to come by. What's it like in Australia? I think you've kind of answered your question there. It was um I mean if you've got an idea which people relate to and understand that's a pain point um, you know, that is is you know quite easily understood. Um then, you know, raising money Previously, we hadn't found crazy difficult, um, and you know we've got revenue, we've got clients, we've got you know growth. Um, so when you've got those kind of things, um, you know generally you can get someone to put some some money in, but um, certainly became a lot more expensive over the last twelve months. So um, just the valuation for every technology business. I mean, I'm not breaking massive ground here, but you can just check it online. It's, it's gone down quite a lot, so we're not immune to that. Um, like any other any other business, but yeah, I think the Australian market for you know venture capital um, and investment family offices is you know it's pretty good. Um, we we found if you've got plenty of people who are approaching you and wanting to be involved, so yep. um, yeah, we found it quite quite good, quite mature, quite sensible. Um, they don't seem to be that you know hawkish in terms terms of trying to really place you on you know pref- certain preferences and things like that it's all it's all we found it all pretty pretty sensible yeah yeah it's a whole whole world, different world that you're playing in there but i guess by, by virtue of being in that world you you get some insights into the prop tech uh, industry at large, and there's a lot of new things uh, coming online. Um, we've got, especially where I'm a bit more plugged in with the buyer's agent space with um, things like uh, Deba, the do-it-yourself buyer's agent, and Romeo, which is, you know, purchasing, um, you know, looking at all the metrics to, to drive um, purchasing uh, decisions and some AI around, you know, predicting price growth and, and those sorts of things. What, what, what do you think the, the property industry is going to be like in, in, in the next five or 10 years? Do you think that there's going to be a huge amount of AI that kind of, you know, democratizes the property intelligence into the hands of the people? Look, this might look very silly when people come back and watch this recording. I don't know if that'll ever happen, but I think that, you know, with Domain and REA having the resources that they have, um, they would have certainly thought about how they could, you know, replace agents or, um, yeah. you know, because it's quite a big commission there, right? It's quite a big um, pot of honey. Um, and they haven't managed to figure it out. I certainly can't think of any way. That they're gonna because if I'm selling a five hundred thousand up to five million whatever property, I do want an expert representing my interests, yeah. um, and I'm a person representing my interests. So um, I think it'll be yeah, fairly similar in five or ten years, but um, I could be could be very wrong. It's not not certainly not my expertise that area. Yeah. No, that's okay. But I mean, this will be fun. We'll come back in five <laughs> years and we'll go, Reese. You know, yeah, yeah. There's, what happened? there's what no happened? agents, there's no building inspectors. Yeah. Um, the depreciation schedule just miraculously appears out of thin air. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that, that could be the case. 
We just hover in little cocoons in the air at night. Yeah. <laughs> um, so before you bid, uh, the connotation there is that um, we're going to auction for this sort of thing, but I'm, I'm presuming that any time that you would need a pre-purchase inspection before your bid's able to help, right? The Give for Growth Property Investing Podcast is presented by our business, MCG Quantity Surveyors. If you're an investor or a property professional looking to get the best tax depreciation deductions for yourself or your clients, please get in touch with us at mcgqs.com.au. It's our mission to help as many property investors as we can to maximise their claims and maximise their property education as well. Yeah, so we, um, just a bit of context on that, when we launched the business, I had $60,000 to between me and my brother to, to launch it and before you buy was $19,000, um, just the domain name itself. So, <laughs> no, so 17000 sorry. And um, and before you bid, it was $19. So, you know, I thought I'd do, I couldn't put a third of my budget towards a domain name for a very unproven business. Um, so before you bid, we have been called up on that, particularly in areas where uh, agents don't do um, auctions. They're like, oh, it's an auction product. But um, over 60% of our reports are for non-auction properties now, yep. um, both from buyers just coming along. Also, I thought the life's just gone. Both <laughs> from buyers um, just coming along and coming to our website and, and purchasing a report, um, but also agents um, and vendors sometimes getting a report up front on a non-auction property and saying we just want to make it available um, to buyers at a cheap, discounted rate so that they can you know make an offer not subject to a building and pest and be confident that, that that's the number they want to um, put forward yeah that is kind of a funny story and i suppose that that domain is now worth a ridiculous amount but i got it i got it the other day for about <laughs> 800 bucks really <laughs> yeah. wow wow yeah. that that is a good story. <laughs> so we were we were going to change our whole. Um, uh, we talked about last year changing our whole business to before you buy, but we've kind of got a little bit of a brand name now. So yeah, um, we weigh up that the pros and cons of that. But yeah, we'll probably just park it for a while and and just hold that domain in case we need it. Yeah, and I can see you got the t-shirt on too as well. Oh, yeah. You have to get new embroidery. It's a whole yeah, yeah. This, this forty dollar t-shirt's the main sticking point. Hopefully everyone's listening to this and they understand the the, the background of that. Um, so can you run us through the economics of, okay, well, I'm, I'm looking at a property and I um, I pay for a pest and building. It's not that I'm the sucker that gets the first one and everyone kind of leverages off that. Um, how, how would I, um, would I need to purchase this through your platform or could I contact you and say, I've had this done. Um, is there any way for me to sort of, I guess, uh, resource share and, and, and get yeah. some sort of rebate if anyone has a benefit from it? Yeah, so there's two kind of ways our reports get done. One is, you know, vendor or agent getting it up front and making it available for buyers at a discount, in which case you'll get a link when you go to the open home and you'll see it's a discounted um, price. But the other way is the model you're recommending. So it doesn't matter um, whether you're the first or last buyer of a report, everyone pays the same price. So as an example, I'm just making these numbers up, uh, Mike, but let's say you bought a billing and pest or let's say Strata report, let's mix it up. Um, so you bought a Strata report for $299 off our website on the property you're looking at. Um, either that was going to auction or it's still on market. Um, so it could be repurchased. You know, so a lot of these are bought in calling off period, in which case, you know, you just get your report, pay your deposit, you pay your deposit. Um, 
calling off ends and you go ahead and purchase the property and that's that's fine. Yep. Uh, but let's say, you know, you don't go ahead and purchase that property or it is going to auction or um, you know, there are it's still on market, you're just getting your report done. And I come along and look at that same property, I can either find that um, that report on domain because we're on, on every listing on domain um, or the agent uh, might send me a link um, to buy the report. That's actually compulsory for them to do in New South Wales for all contract holders. And um, that's the law in New South Wales, which is you know, the best law in the country, I, I think, in this space. Um, I would come along and pay, say, $179 for it. As soon as I pay that $179, you're owed $120 cash back. So we both pay $179. Then yep. the next person, and, and oh, sorry, I should have these numbers right imprinted, stand in my head, but um, <laughs> the next person might pay 139 or 129 As soon as they pay that, me and you get another $50, $50 back. So we, we all pay the same price, so up to four times, we'll discount it down. Yep. Um, doesn't often go past that, usually goes to two or three. Um, but yeah, so it's, it doesn't matter whether you're first or last buyer, you'll, you'll, you'll be paying that discounted rate. And when it comes to the timing of the report, so, you know, a typical auction or private treaty campaign, you know, might be 30, 60 days at the most, um, depending on the on the location. Um, what what if this uh, this report existed from, say, a year or two ago? Like, does is there, a, is there a sweet spot where we can sort of say, look, we're comfortable with this, or two years have gone past, you know, termites could have shown up and changed the whole thing, yeah. right? De- de- definitely. So, um, and this goes into the insurance and insurance risks um, for inspectors. So, a lot of building and pest inspectors will say, look, our reports close after 60 or 90 days. And, and, and by close, there's actually no real expiry on a report um, from, a, from an insurance perspective. But they'll just say, look, don't make it available for resale or make it very clear that this report's kind of expired. Um, now, from a um, buyer's point of view, for a strata report, let's say, you know, generally if it's getting past 90 days, you might start considering getting a new one. But what you really want to know is um, when the annual general meeting was. So if it's there's been an AGM in that period and there's four weeks usually for the AGM minutes to be made available um, to the strata, um, to, 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 to the strata records, um, you'll want to get a new report to cover that AGM because a lot of interesting um, and big changes can happen at those AGMs. Yeah. Um, in terms of building a pest inspection report, um, look, you can do the building and pest inspection on a Monday. Tuesday it rains. Wednesday it's very humid and termites decide to come in on a Thursday and have a you know a bit of a field day. So there's always that risk, um, you know, on, on that. Generally, if the report's open um, and available and you download it, then there's no risk-free um, report, I'd say. Yeah. You know, you, you, you've got to weigh out your own kind of risk appetite. But if the report's there and it's available for download and, you, and you've re- done your research on that inspector and you think they're, you know, a, a good inspector, then, um, you know, you generally would probably just go ahead with that one. And putting it in one, terms of that of risk. Our, Sorry, mate. I'll just say quickly, one of the benefits of our panel is that we've checked every single inspector um, to make sure they've got the appropriate insurance to be doing these reports. Yep. There's an estimate out there that 70% of people going around doing building and pest inspections aren't actually appropriately insured um, to do them. And judging by some who have tried to come on our panel who we haven't let come on our panel, who don't respond when we ask if they can send us their certificate of currency, um, it's a I wouldn't be surprised if that figure is correct. Yeah. 
That's a huge worry. And I suppose, you know, the risk of of accepting a report by someone that has the appropriate insurance and has been been vetted by you, you put that in context of, you know, these uninsured people and then the fact that 40% of, of purchasers might not be having a pestle building at all, the risk <laughs> is very, very minute, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. So, so having worked in this space for the last eight years, what, what have you learned around pre-purchase reports that you think would, would be a valuable insight for property investors listening today? Well, I'd say one of the probably biggest misconceptions is that it is a visual building. So, I mean, strata reports are just a, just a compulsory. Anyone who's buying a unit does get a strata report. Even if it's in Queensland or Victoria and you get the basic disclosure statements, I would just 100% recommend getting a strata report. Yep. You want to get a full um, analysis of what's going on in that property. I think people get such a shock when they buy units. And they realise they've basically got not just neighbours but co-owners um, in the building with them, and there might be some interesting characters in those buildings. Um, and you can generally check that or see that because these strata reports will tell you if there's kind of any disharmony um, often between tenants, and the, you know you got to weigh that up as whether you want to be involved in that kind of family dispute of that building. Um, but yeah, um, that. I would just yeah, strongly, strongly recommend to anyone, any investor listening, just get a strata report on any unit you're looking at. Um, with a building of pets, one of the common misconceptions that someone might move in and go, oh, this was, um, you know, in a wall or, um, you know, they didn't search behind this certain thing or we found this. It, it is a visual building investor inspection and they're not allowed to move things while they're there. Yep. Now, the reason being, they used to move things quite a bit 20 years ago. Oh, yeah, I'll just move this bit of couch or this cabinet or whatever. Um, but then a few inspectors would move something, scratch the floor, or move something, put a dent in the wall. And suddenly, um, yeah, and, so oh, sorry, that's a bit loud out there. Um, suddenly, um, you know, they've got a claim uh, against against the building inspector because they because they moved something. So, um just be remember that it is a, a visual building and pets inspection. That's certainly something, probably the biggest misconception that um, people have because they buy the property um, and then the when they go in day one, all the furniture is removed and they're like, oh, hold on, how did they not see this? Like, well, if you go back and look at the photo, there was a couch there covering it. Um, so um, just yeah, be, be, be mindful of that is probably one thing I'd say. Yeah. One thing that we that I hear a bit from um, purchasers uh, around, especially around the the building inspections, is that they're just disclaimed to the gills, right? And if you get a report from a building inspector, often people will say like, "Oh, you should give them a call," and the building re- report will say, "This place is just about to fall down; it's destitute." You ring them up and they go, "Oh no, it's about fair for like the age of of the property." <laughs> What's your take on that? Well, it is a litigious space. So because it is a litigious space, the, the disclaimers have got in some instances pretty pretty lengthy um, because, you know, buyers were saying, oh, this was missed or that was missed. It's like, well, that, for the exact example I just gave, they have to say, look, any time there was furniture covering anything, um, you know, we couldn't inspect that area or um, whatever it is. No disclaimers for those little bits each time add up or you know the, the manhole in the roof wasn't the didn't meet the australian standards for, for size so you know i couldn't go in it um so then there's another disclaimer there then you know there was no access to the subfloor because there was a um, cabinet on top of the, the latch disclaimer there so they, these disclaimers 
can definitely build up. Um, it would be great if they weren't as long. But um, look, for the most part, and, and, and certainly the inspectors we have at our panel, they're constantly rated by buyers, um, sellers, agents, everyone. Um, you know, these guys are you know experienced people in the industry who you know where they where they can find something, they will. Mm. Um, and yeah, I think that's probably the the, the main thing you, you you want to know and get some comfort on. Yeah, and I think that the good inspectors really pride themselves on being able to uncover these issues because that you know that's what they're paid for, that's their expertise, and you know they'll get a sense of satisfaction of identifying those problems because that's what they're paid for, right? Definitely. And in terms of the phone call, because um, it is a bit you know less litigious on a phone call, I guess unless you're recording the inspector, um, but they can be a bit more you know frank. Um, and you know what I've heard of these people say, oh, my inspector saved me from these. This property and then saved me again from this property and i paid six hundred dollars each time and then the, the next one i called them and it was fine i'm like you might have just called them on the first one and potentially they would have said you know it's okay so um it is very much that age of the property is very very interesting case or you know you might get a your first building pest inspection you might get in a terrace in paddington let's say yeah like oh there's there's rising damp can't buy that um but then if you call the inspector he's like look every single terrace on that street would have rising damp or you know 60 percent of the terraces on that street may have rising damp so if you are looking to live in paddington in a terrace then that's probably something you should accept uh, and here's some here's a couple of things you might do to, to, to kind of minimize it yeah um, so definitely if you've got any doubts on the report while you're reading it or you're not exactly sure what the inter you know getting the right interpretations of everything um you know i'd definitely be recommending speaking to the inspector yeah, absolutely. And we don't recommend recording their phone call without their knowledge, but we do recommend engaging them for, you know, pest and, pest and building and, and strata. I think any anyone that's purchasing a property without the safeguards of having those reports in place has, has got rocks in their head. So hopefully you can continue to increase that percentage of people that uh, that, are, that are using that service. Reese, it's been a, a pleasure hearing about uh, the industry and your insights into pre-purchase inspections. Thanks for joining me today. Cheers. Good fun, Mike. Thanks. Cheers.